please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. O risen Christ, open us to the power of your resurrection as we hear proclaim the new this day. Now we too rise to a new life in you. Amen. Today we'll read from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, Why are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, had answered him, Are the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some of our some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter in his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead of them as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their, their, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found that eleven, the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. You're going to move it. Um, as we were thinking about uh, making Easter more about that and less about, you know, pastel eggs and bunny rabbits, uh, what would it be like to do worship during the season of Easter where we kind of pulled up what might be some of those boulders uh, for us? Um, and so we gathered together and thought about uh, big questions, deep questions, uh, questions that uh, we all have, uh, but 
you're less likely to ask them in the midst of a grow group or Sunday school, right? Um, I mean, we're usually, it's easier just to go with Adam Hamilton's uh, curriculum than to say, hey, what happens if hope fails, right? Um, but we all carry those uh, boulders, those questions uh, in our heart. Um, uh, some of us, um, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, have had a, a series of stories that are challenging. Some of you, uh, in the last uh, couple of years, uh, you still carry the scars uh, of having uh, tried to move those boulders all uh, on your own. Uh, and so today's uh, is, what if hope fails? Uh, in the future, we'll look at, uh, what if I have to change? What if love isn't enough? Uh, these what if questions. Uh, they are uh, deep and powerful, and it is easy to just be overwhelmed with the size of the boulder and say, well, I guess that's the end of the road. I, I guess there's, there's nothing left. I guess uh, this is something uh, that will never go away. Uh, as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to be in rooms where it seems as if hope has failed. Uh, I found myself in ICU rooms and uh, doctor consultation rooms after surgery. Um, I even found myself in the kitchen of some church members uh, where one spouse was telling the other spouse that they were filing for divorce. And it was the first time uh, for the other spouse to hear there are those moments when it feels as if hope just dried up and blew away with the wind. It feels like that one thing, the ground that we stand on, should have been firmer, should have been um, more substantial, but for some reason it shifts underneath us and we are worried about what the future holds. I'm sure you've uh, imagined uh, some of these words. Um, uh, the doctor comes in and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do for him. Uh, you should take him home and the two of you get your fares in order. Um, or, um, you know, uh, you did a great job of being in remission for so long, but the cancer's back. Uh, or, we were hoping to keep you on, even in a difficult economy. But you know, we've got to trim somewhere, uh, and so I think it's early retirement for you. I mean, th these moments where uh, the plan had been laid, and now the plan has changed. When we look at scripture this morning, um, this is the story of, um, of, a, of a bunch of disciples that are, that are headed out for uh, a travel. They're going to go to the, the village of Emmaus. They've spent uh, all of Holy Week in Jerusalem. They, have, um, uh, th they are processing uh, all of the things, the drama that has happened. Uh, and as they're going along, a stranger comes and walks with them along the road. Uh, and the stranger does not understand, you know, they're, they're kind of talking out all of the events uh, of um, the three great days. They're, they're talking about the, the, um, uh, the trial. They're talking about uh, the arrest in the garden. They're talking about uh, how the crowd screamed for Barabbas instead of for Jesus. Uh, they probably talked about how um, Jesus, uh, having been whipped and beaten, carried his own cross. Uh, to the hill of Calvary. Um, they, they talked about the drama all the way along. Maybe even talking about as uh, Jesus hung on the cross and looked down uh, and made sure that one of his disciples would take care of his mother after he died. Um, probably they talked about how uh, the words of the psalmist were in Jesus' mouth as he screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the stranger walking along with them is clueless. And they actually say, how can you be so clueless, right? How can you be unaware of what's happened in Jerusalem? Um, and the stranger continues to walk along beside them. And as they talk together, uh, the stranger begins to um, ask them questions and then also answer some of those questions. 
And in a, a, a moment, um, the stranger gets angry. How can you be so foolish? Don't you see it? Why are you so slow to get what the prophets have been saying forever? As they get close to Emmaus, the stranger looks as if uh, he's going to continue on. And so the disciples say, why don't you stay with us and and have a meal? Uh, And then you can travel on. And so they gather together in a room and they have a meal. uh, And um, the way the gospel describes it, they broke the bread and blessed it. Now that's key words for kind of an upper room moment. And as they broke the bread and shared in community together, their eyes were opened and they saw that the stranger was not a stranger, but it was the risen Christ. And in that moment, he vanishes. And the disciples go back to Jerusalem and uh, tell about what they found. And they come to find out that not only uh, had they seen Jesus, uh, but Simon Peter had seen Jesus, that it was clear that what seemed like death and the end of the story was only a resurrection to come. Now, um, it'd be really easy to say that in those moments when you feel like hope has failed, just go for a seven-mile walk to Emmaus. Just invite a stranger to have a meal with you. Uh, Just take a moment and, hey, look, it's all better. Like an after-school special that you you just need 30 minutes and three commercial breaks and life's going to be just fine. For those of you who have uh, been journeying through a story of grief uh, where life hasn't been all that you thought it was supposed to be, um, it is hard to say, sure, preacher, we'll just do that. But I think there are some hints, uh, some road marks, some benchmarks along the way in this scripture passage to talk about hope. Uh, we, We quickly realize that the men traveled together, not alone. I believe the first thing we can learn from the scripture passage is that hope is grounded in community. Hope is grounded in community. You can go talk to any counselor or therapist. Uh, One of the four basic behaviors to prevent or counteract depression is uh, to go find a group of friends. Right? Uh, it's true that depression kind of zaps your initiative and your energy, makes you just want to kind of uh, binge a little bit of Netflix, uh, but that's not the best thing for you. Uh, I believe that um, uh, Jesus might even agree with this one. You should fake it till you make it. I mean, go spend time with friends. If you're not happy, hanging around people who are happy might actually change your brain chemistry and move you closer to a place of hope. So the first thing we learn is that hope blooms in community. It's really easy when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, when we're troubled, we'll just go off on our own. It's time for a pajama day. But scripture reminds us that being together with others helps us move towards the hope that God intends. I think the second thing that we learn from uh, hope is that hope grows when it's watered by the word of scripture. Notice as they walk along, uh, even with the stranger, they are talking about the prophets and the scriptures and the Psalms. They're trying to make sense out of this man named Jesus who, um, you know, kind of pick your ending. Some of them probably thought uh, that Jesus was going, the scripture says that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. That could be mount a revolution, a rebellion and kick the Romans out. That'd redeem Israel. Or it could have been as simple as um, uh, redeeming Israel. the the church in the temple and moving us closer to a relationship with God, or it could be as simple as um, having that connection through Jesus uh, with God and the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what it was, uh, these men were traveling along trying to make sense out of the events of the day, 
by working through scripture together. I love the moment where Jesus gets involved in the conversation. He says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Hope, is, uh, hope grows in the ground that scripture and word is in. That when we water uh, our hope and our lives with scripture, we, we have an opportunity to live into not just a cotton candy happiness, but a true expectation of joy and hope in our lives. We see the world not through the world's eyes, but rather through God's eyes. That, that even in a story where uh, the one who was supposed to redeem all of Israel lays dead in a tomb for three days, hope still is possible. I think there's a third piece that we can gather from this scripture passage. That third piece is that hope comes after a silence. Hope most often comes after a silence. Now, I, I don't know about you, but um, I don't do silence well. Um, I, I mean, just uh, the little, you, you saw my uh, anxiety at how the, uh, the song didn't come quick enough after Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, right? That was what, three seconds, right? And your ADHD pastor went, uh, and it finally came, right? I mean, like, silence... We don't deal with silence well. Here's a test next time you're at a stoplight. Um, quit looking at your phone um, and look at all of the other people at the stoplight. How many people are not engaged with a device, not fiddling with the air conditioner, not fiddling uh, with the radio? We don't like silence. There's something about us that we, we don't want to be still. We, we, we want to be active. We want to be overly active and overly stimulated. But sometimes, sometimes the deepest hope, the greatest hope, only comes when we sit still and allow for silence to happen. I mean, just imagine in our culture, right? Thinking about uh, Jesus was dead, uh, not a few minutes, uh, not just one day, not just two days, but three days. Three days of silence. Three days of stillness. Three days of death. I've often believed that God works best when things are silent, that, that God works best when things are um, still, that, that when you look at the battlefield of our lives and it appears as if the enemy has won, when, when you can see that so much has not gone the way that you thought it should, when it seems as if all is lost, as people of faith, we should remember that God works best when things look the most tragic and direst. I mean, it, the story of the walk to Emmaus is exactly this. The men went figuring out what they thought. They went on a journey, a travel. They, they walked the road. They tried to figure out what made sense about life. And in wandering away, they found Jesus walking with them. And in the breaking of the bread, they found the truth and beauty of the miracle that God had not lost, that hope had not failed, but rather sometimes hope requires some stillness and some silence before it blooms. Oftentimes when we think about uh, hope failing, it's within an idea of uh, healing or the lack of healing. And I think um, sometimes it's a matter of perception about our hope. Uh, it's easy to say that this looks like a huge boulder. But it's not. I mean, from our perspective, it makes sense. But from God's perspective, it could be completely different. 
Um, I, I agree with Adam Hamilton. When we start thinking about healing and hope, um, Adam says, pray first and always for an out-of-the-ballpark miracle that defies all medical science and all logic. I like that. That's the first thing I pray for when I'm pastoring y'all and pastoring myself. I want that miracle. I, uh, Amy and I, when we were in the ER uh, on Holy Week, um, uh, wondering about whether it was a kidney stone uh, or a GI block, woohoo! I was happy for the miracle that it wasn't a GI block, right? Uh, and, and sure, the doctor wanted to explain all the reasons why it wasn't. I don't care. It was out of the ballpark miracle for me. Now, I also recognize that uh, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes it's not God's will for an out-of-the-ballpark miracle. And so the second prayer, always for healing, uh, is that God would give wisdom and knowledge to the doctors and nurses that they might do what has already been blessed in the world with medical science to make a difference and a healing uh, in a person's life. And then we have to continue that the perception of hope is important and the perception of healing is important. And sometimes, whether we like it or not, that, that medical healing isn't a possibility uh, for the situation. And so I move to that third prayer uh, that Adam Hamilton talks about. Uh, it's the prayer that, um, that we might remember that all of our life is in God, um, that the purpose of our life is not long life, but rather for Christ to may be made real in our body and in our flesh, that we might testify to the hope that we have have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so in the midst of suffering, may we find peace. In the midst of disease, may we know that our life is secure in God's. In the midst of a story where our life will be ending, allow for reconciliation between each other and with God, that death might come as a healing at the end of our lives. Now that's not really where anybody wants to stay and to be, but to assume that if it's not a miracle and it's not medical science, then hope has failed is to miss the point of salvation history. You see, we see the world not as the world sees it, but rather as uh, people of faith, that the God who created all loves us, adopted us irrespective of our ability to love God, and has shepherded us throughout life and will not leave us or forsake us until the end of time. That's a beautiful narrative where hope never fails because God is good and God is just. So I was reading uh, back, um, I have a friend who graduated a couple of years after me, uh, his name was Chris Barrett, uh, uh, United Methodist pastor, went to Duke uh, Divinity School after me, uh, went to South Carolina to be a pastor, uh, served for 10 years, um, in the 10th year uh, contracted non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, not words that you once said about you, but in the great pantheon of cancer words that can be said, not bad, right? There's a treatment regimen, there's uh, a way to do things and a way to make things uh, better. So he was treated, and after about two years, he was good. They said, you're, you're done. We expect you never to have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma again. And it was just like last year, January, that the doctor called him and said, you know that remission we talked about? Your blood work came back. We, we don't understand it, but you've had a recurrence. And so on uh, Ash Wednesday, he was in the hospital 
Um, he was receiving IV fluids that would prepare him the next day to receive a bone marrow transplant. And as he journaled, he realized that for, for 12 years of ministry, he has stood at the head of the aisle on Ash Wednesday, and he has marked in ashes the forehead of all of his church members, saying the words, um, from ashes you have come to ashes you will go, repent and believe in the gospel. And here for a moment, as the chaplain comes into his hospital room and marks the same cross on his forehead, he realizes he's been practicing for 12 years to understand this moment. That we're all from ashes to ashes, dust to dust, repent and believe in the gospel. In the midst of Lent, he had to uh, give up his pulpit, go on leave, uh, because his immune system was depressed and needed to be built back up after the marrow, uh, bone marrow transplant. And so um, he says, I've done this for 12 years. He says, I've, I've done Lent by giving up some things so that I might focus upon Jesus. And here, I'm giving up being around other people so that I can focus on Jesus. He and his wife had talked after their last illness and decided that if uh, they had a recurrence, that they would give up the, the pulpit in South Carolina and move to Indiana where his family was uh, so that they could be cared for. And so in the midst of Lent, as his immune system came back, uh, they made plans with the district superintendent to have another pastor appointed. And that pastor was going to be not able to come until the Sunday after Easter. And so the last Sunday of Easter, the Sunday of Easter was his last Sunday. As he looked at his congregation, he spoke about the God who moves away stones, who takes dead things and makes them alive. He talked about the power of God to make a difference in the world, even though he still resembled the tree that he had received, even though he was giving up the thing he loved to go and be cared for by his parents. In the midst of resurrection, in the midst of illness and suffering, hope had not died for Chris Barrett. He recognized that his whole life had been a training to see the world as God sees it and not as the world sees it. And so even though things seemed bleak, he knew that he believed in the God who gave life. And so all of these little behaviors uh, of uh, spiritual life had become to be a part of his life as God worked healing and reconciliation into his. I wonder, friends, what is it like to be the kind of people who look at the stone and realize, though for us the question is what if hope fails, the reality is, is that hope never disappears. That believing in the God of creation, knowing that God sent his own son to die for us, knowing that God um, is working a resurrection and a resolution for all of us and will not leave us orphaned. We find that hope uh, may be um, hidden, uh, hope may be silent, uh, hope may be elusive, but hope never fails. Uh, as the men walked to Emmaus, they found that even in their disagreement, uh, even in their wondering, uh, even in their misunderstanding, that hope walked with them. It was a stranger at first, but in the breaking of bread, hope became real as they understood what resur resurrection meant for them. Sure, uh, in no way does scripture say we have to carry it all. But, uh, you know, uh, was it when two or more gathered together, Jesus is present. Um, when we think about uh, the great cloud of witnesses that surround us who have run their race and finished their course in faith and now cheer us on in the midst of our race, whatever suffering it might be, we are reminded that we are not alone. We don't have to move the stone on our own. 
That was the worry of the women as they went to uh, the tomb on Easter morning. We want to take care of Jesus, prepare his body for burial, but how will we move away the stone? And when they arrived, they realized that the God they worship is a God who already moves away stones. Sometimes we need help. We can't do it on our own. But thanks be to God, who is the God who moves stones and whose hope never fails. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. And not just to scatter a bunch of uh, steps all over the place, but to align them together for uh, our purpose of raising a generation in faith, of fostering with us uh, vital habits of Christian discipleship uh, so that our uh, kids around us can catch those and be taught those habits and thereby have their own faith that is vital and life-giving. Um, one of the ways that you can uh, help out in the community as the next step is on Monday, tomorrow at seven o'clock, uh, we're going to be brainstorming around the parables sermon series. Uh, that starts the first week of June and goes all the way until the first week of August. So what a great impact you could have as we think together about how best to uh, represent um, uh, that theme in the midst of uh, visual um, music, uh, also in the prayers that we say and how worship is constructed. Uh, it is an open brain storming meeting, and we would love anyone and everyone to come. It'll be at 7 o'clock and 3.03 on Monday, and Rhonda Taylor will be um, facilitating uh, that brainstorming opportunity. Um, if you're um, somebody who's looking for uh, hope, I want to suggest that you journey together with others. Uh, one of the ways that you can journey together with others is Michael Heather has a Thursday night, 7 o'clock small group that is actually going to choose to continue a response to the sermon uh, each week. If you'd like some more more information or how to get to Michael's house, he's right here standing next to the dashing Oren Gaspard, right? There we go. Um, we're also working on starting some other groups as well, so if you're interested in hosting or facilitating uh, or just being somebody who's in the room, come and talk to Kate and I. Uh, let's see, um, if today's the day that you feel called to join the church, I hope that you'll come down uh, during our um, uh, final hymn, which is He Lives. David Hill's going to come and lead us in that. You can find it in your hymnals on page 310. If you are in need of someone to pray with you or for you or you would like to arrange the care for someone else, uh, come and talk to me or to the Stephen minister who will be here. We also have the prayer room in the back if there needs to be some place for uh, some privacy. Um, for now, why don't you grab a hand next to you for our closing benediction uh, and let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, we give thanks that you are in the business of hope and that hope never fails. So Lord, in those moments when we seem to think uh, that the world has shifted underneath us, help us to remember to surround ourselves with a community, uh, to be watered by your word, and to not doubt, even in the midst of silence, as you bring about a resurrection for each one of us. Send us out into the world to be hope for others. All those who pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.